Welcome to the radio program, Why Paul? Bringing and interpreting the doctrine Jesus Christ presented through the Apostle Paul. Your hosts are Michael R. Mix, Michelle Mix, David Reed, and Pamela Lampton of 14th Street Ministries. We are here to bring you the answers found in 2 Timothy, verse 2, and encourage you to teach and share this program with others. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Mix, Michelle Mix, and Pamela Lampton. And we're excited to be back today um, on this Tuesday. And here in Ohio, at least, it's um, actually feeling like um, it's becoming summertime. So Mm -hmm. it's um, great to be outdoors today. Uh, We're going to start, well, we'll start with, um, I'm your host, Michelle Mix. I'm your host, uh, Michael Mix. I'm your host, Pam Lampton. And I'm your host, David Reed. And um, so I'm going to open in prayer, and then we'll get started. All right. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you uh, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and we want to just thank you for all your many blessings um, that you um, give to us, and we thank you for your word, and that your word is live, that we can um, share it with the whole world, uh, so we can be one and send it out to, um, we know the Holy Spirit can direct who needs to hear the word and how that we each can spread the word to others so everybody can have your free uh, gift of grace. And we thank you so much for, um, uh, we thank you for Michael, we thank you for Pam, we thank you for David that's able to um, be here to host with us to help spread your word. And we thank you for everything you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay. And so as we were um, talking with our Facebook Live uh, listeners, that if they had questions, they could send those in. So Pam, I think we got about three questions this week. We did. We did. We have um, three questions. I'll start out with the first one. Um, Dealing with dispensation and the age of grace, as well as the Gospels of Paul, can you tell us sometime that the Bible's or the books that go along or hand in hand in stu- for study purposes? It's a good question. When, when people think about understanding the Bible, they often think about things like, well, I need to go to the original Greek and I need to see what the Greek or the Hebrew says, or I need to get a Bible commentary, or I need to read a book about Bible culture. And, and frankly, that's not the scriptural way to study the Bible. If you would look with me at Isaiah 28 and then 1 Corinthians 2, I just want to sort of introduce it this way. Isaiah 28, verse 9, whom shall he teach knowledge and whom shall he make to understand doctrine, them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast? For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. In other words, the way you you learn things in the scriptures, you put line upon line, and it's here a little and there a little, meaning it's not all in one place. A lot of times what will happen is people get up and they'll say, well, my text is such and such, and they read their text. They spend all their time in that text. What you really need to do is you need to find the cross-references in other places in Scripture. 1 Corinthians 2.13 talks about comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So in looking at any verse or any book, the question is, what other verses help me understand it? And you should, as a general matter, that could be anywhere. But there are some verse, some books that are very similar. And so let me just 
walk through starting in, the, in Matthew. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we know are the four gospels. And so those books help explain each other, but it's, it's helpful to have sort of a basic understanding of what each, each book is about. So Matthew presents the Lord as king. In other words, it presents mm-hmm. Jesus Christ as the king of Israel. One example of that is when you look at the genealogy in Matthew, it traces the Lord's genealogy back to Abraham and David, basically the king and the, the, the great patriarch of Israel. Compare that with Mark. In Mark, there is no genealogy because Mark presents the Lord as a servant. And with a servant, genealogy doesn't really matter. In Luke, we see the picture of the Lord Jesus Christ as a man. And that makes sense because the genealogy in Luke goes all the way back to Adam, the first man. And then in John, we see that the Lord is presented as the Son of God, as God himself. And you know that from John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was was with God, and the Word was God. So those four Gospels all talk about the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, but they present a slightly different picture of his ministry. Then as we get into Paul's epistles, as you think about Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and Galatians, those books all deal with similar content. Um, and so when you're looking at something in Romans that's confusing, it, the answer could be anywhere in the Bible. So you should, you should you know, give yourself the liberty to look anywhere. But you should really think carefully about First and Second Corinthians and Galatians. I personally find that Romans and Galatians are extremely similar and explanatory books. Then when you get to the next section of what Paul wrote, you get Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. And those books are another group. Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians are what I would call foundational truth. And then Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians are more advanced. And when you read, for example, Ephesians and Colossians, you'll see that those books very much explain one another. When we get after Colossians, we get to 1 and 2 Thessalonians. Those two books go together. Those books are both about the coming of Jesus Christ for his church, what we commonly call the rapture. So those two books go together. When you get to 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, those three epistles are commonly referred to as the pastoral epistles because they're really about how do you operate a local church? How should it be governed? What, uh, what is the work of the ministry that should be done? Things like that. So those are just some, some high-level thoughts about when you're in a particular book you should have in the back of your mind. Well, if there's something here that's not clear to me or that I want to study more deeply, I should look at other books that deal with the same subject. And by books, I mean books of the Bible, not books outside the Bible. So just some thoughts. Happy studying. Yeah. Yeah, that's well, that good. Was a no. That's very good. Uh, especially because um, I think last week we talked about, you know, um, you know, going to commentaries. And um, I have um, I have a lot of books that are commentaries from different ages. You know, these are like some are like really old. Um, mm-hmm. I think some of them came from my grandpa. And. So actually, I've been looking at them and thinking, you know, it's so easy to grab one. And then you're like, oh, wait a second. I want to make sure that it's, you know, teaching me, you know, the correct thing, what I'm going to be reading. Because um, so this is nice to know that how these books relate Mm -hmm. so that that can be my commentary. Yeah. Let God interpret it. Yes. Well said.
Well, I've been in a number of Bible studies where what will happen is someone will have a study Bible, a question will come up about a verse, and they'll read from the bottom of the page as if they're reading from the answer key. Yeah. You know, they think, oh, well, here, here's the solution. I've got a study Bible. It gives me the answer. Well, to state the obvious, study Bibles don't agree. And to state the obvious, study Bibles are the notes of men. So at times they're right, but they're not always right. And they're never as good as another verse because you know that the other verse is right. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's very helpful. Yeah, mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, num- question number two, why does Paul describe himself as less than the least of all saints? So get uh, Ephesians chapter three, verse eight. And uh, that's a good question. We, we talked about Ephesians three, eight a little bit last week, but we should dig into this. Ephesians three, eight says, Unto me who am less than the least of all saints, that's the phrase, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ? And so obviously the questioner is wondering, well, why is Paul less than the least of all saints? I mean, isn't he sort of a big deal in the Bible? Um, Get with me 1 Timothy 1, verse 15. 1 Timothy 1, verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. So Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 1 that he was the chief of sinners. Now, when some people hear the chief of sinners, their immediate thought is, well, okay, he's the worst sinner there was. I don't know that that's true. So look with me at Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, verse 4. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. So Paul's making the point that from a human standpoint of trusting in his own righteousness, he had a lot of reasons to trust in himself. Now notice what he says here, Mm -hmm. verse 5, circumcised the eighth day, that's what the Old Testament law said to do, of the stock of Israel. Well, you know, Israel's God's chosen people, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, As touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. Well, that's interesting because he said he was the chief of sinners in 1 Timothy 1, but then he says, touching the righteousness, which is in the law, he was blameless. So how does this fit together? Get with me 1 Corinthians 15, verse 9. When Paul says he's the chief of sinners, he doesn't mean that he drank more than anyone else because he just clearly didn't. He doesn't mean that he committed more crimes. But 1 Corinthians 15, I think, gives us the answer. Verse 9, for I am the least of the apostles. Well, that's interesting because he said he was less than the least of all saints. For Mm -hmm. I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle. Why, Paul? Because I persecuted the church of God. That, I think, is the answer. Mm -hmm. And I I would give you this analogy. When Paul says he's the chief of sinners, he doesn't mean that he committed the most sins. But the chief of something is the leader. Like the chief executive officer of a company is the senior leader of the company. So when Paul was the chief of sinners, he was the leader of the sinners. And how Mm -hmm. was he the leader of the sinners? What was Paul doing before he was saved? He was the foremost persecutor of Mm -hmm. the church of God. Now, if you think about that just for a minute, persecuting the church 
is the most evil thing on the earth, my personal opinion, and here's why. The church has the gospel, has the word of God that the world needs. The world doesn't need material things. What the world needs is the world needs the gospel. Well, when you persecute the church, in other words, when you when you persecute and kill the people that are preaching the gospel, you're doing the most harmful thing you can do to humanity. You're essentially killing the people with the cure. Well, that's that's a bad thing. And so that's why I believe that's why Paul said that he was less than the least of, mm-hmm. he was the least of all the apostles and he was less than the least of all saints because of his prior life, what he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe that. So um, we have one more. Okay. Um, I know we admire Paul as an apostle and one who has written letters to the churches and used them for our instruction today. But how can a Christian not fall into the trap of worshiping Paul as some other teachers have? I'm referring to the Pauline Christianity groups that disqualify Christ as God. Have you heard of this? So this is a really interesting question. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not aware of any Pauline group anywhere, including ones I disagree with, that disqualify Christ as God. So I'm not aware of it. I personally view that as a slander. That in other words, people say, well, you worship Paul. Well, we've been on this program for a long time. You've, we've all been in the ministry of sorts. Uh, none of us worship Paul, Right. The program is called Why Paul, not because we worship him, but because we recognize that God gave him instruction. Mm -hmm. And let me give you this analogy. If you were living during the time of of the Exodus and you said, well, I'm not going to follow Moses, I'm going to follow God. Well, God chose Moses. God gave the revelation of the law to Moses. When you say, I'm not following Moses, you are in rebellion against God because God told you to follow Moses. So you can pretend you're super spiritual and say, well, I'm not going to worship Moses. I'm not going to follow him. But that's what God wants you to do. So look with me, for example, at 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. Be ye followers of me, and the me is Paul because he wrote the letter, even as I also am of Christ. Scripture there commands us to follow Paul. It doesn't say it's optional. Um, And you can say, well, Paul wrote that. Well, the Holy Spirit recorded it. The Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. preserved it. So the Holy Spirit thinks it's true. So we are today to follow Paul, not because we worship Paul, but because God chose him as a vessel that he gave revelation to. And if God gave him revelation and he preserved that revelation, we need to honor God by doing what God said. Mm-hmm. If you look with me at 1 Corinthians 14, verse 37, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 37, if any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, so in other words, if you think something of yourself that you're spiritual or a prophet, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. So did Paul write just random opinions that we can ignore or are the scriptures that he wrote, the commandments of the Lord, that if we disobey those, we are actually disobeying the Lord who gave them. So that's the Mm -hmm. reality. So the reason we follow Paul is that scripture commands us to. And let me say one more thing and we'll move on. But in Acts 9, when the Lord Jesus Christ appeared out of heaven to Paul, he chose Paul. I didn't, Mm -hmm. you didn't. 
the Lord Jesus Christ chose him. And then the Lord Jesus Christ gave, gave him the revelation of the mystery. He gave him the dispensation of grace. He gave him the gospel, the grace of God. Jesus Christ did that, not me. So if the Lord did that, if he gave him that revelation and he made him the apostle of the Gentiles, then I need to follow him, not because I worship him as a man, but I understand he's the source of God's revelation. So we really don't have any choice about it if we're going to do what Scripture would have us to do. And, and even in um, chapter 3, of uh, Second Peter chapter 3, Paul tells us, or uh, Peter tells us about Paul, right? He does. He talks about the wisdom given unto Paul. Yeah. So Peter understood it. Peter acknowledged it. And of course, in Acts 2, Peter stands up at the day of Pentecost. He's clearly the leader of the kingdom church. And he subsequently says exactly what you said, Michael, which is our beloved brother Paul has some wisdom given unto him that you need to understand. Yeah. Very good. All right. Thanks for uh, gathering up those questions for us, Pam. And um, so, we'll, and we do have some uh, more questions um, that are um, being posted in our Facebook Live. Uh, so you'll get those so that we can answer those questions uh, sometime, uh, probably our next show. And um, so also right before we go to break, and then we're going to come back and review for last week and then pick up in Ephesians, um, I believe it's 312. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, just to review, um, remember that 14th Street Ministries is a listener-supported ministry. We are all volunteers and with no payroll. So your donations are most appreciated. And if you would like to support this ministry to help pay for broadcast programming time, you can send your donations to 14th Street Ministries at 366 Woods Avenue. Uh, Newark, Ohio, 43055. You can also visit our website at www.14thstreetministries.com. And um, you can send us a message through there um, about donating as well on that webpage. So we'll be right back and we're going to jump right into Ephesians. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 14th Street Ministries is a listener-supported ministry. Your donations are most appreciated. You can make donations on our website at 14thStreetMinistries.com. Our goal is to preach the gospel to a lost and dying world. Our message is to lift the believer, teaching sound doctrine by rightly dividing the word of truth. We are a grace ministry. You can reach out to us by calling 314-243-3779 or by contacting us on the web at 14thstreetministries.com or follow our Facebook page. Look for 14th Street Online Bible Study. We hear just be you a lot these days. But who are you? What is an authentic life? The answer to these questions and more will be answered on The Authentic Living Show. Hosted by Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of today's spiritual, psychological experts and will provide her own wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your I am. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. What's the difference between leaders who achieve exceptional results with ease and those who struggle to keep up? 
Tune in for Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. You'll discover the simple practices that are making the biggest difference to a leader's success today. You'll meet leaders who are bringing out the best in their teams. You'll gain practical strategies to lead yourself and others to high performance with ease. Leading on Purpose airs live Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to the radio program, Why Paul? If you'd like to participate in today's program, call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to michaelrmix at 14thstreetministries.com. Now back to Why Paul? And welcome back. And as uh, she had um, notated that that phone number... Uh, if you do call that, you can actually call and speak to us live on air uh, at Voice America. Uh, welcome back. I'm your host, Michelle Mix. And I'm your host, uh, Michael Mix. I'm your host, Pam Lampton. And I'm your host, David Reed. All right. And so let's do a little quick review um, okay. to bring us up to date what we're talking about today. Okay. Well, um, we're in uh, Ephesians 3 mm-hmm. and uh, the church a mystery hid from uh, past ages. The body of Christ, a mystery hid from past ages. In Ephesians 3, 1 through 11, for this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to your words, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote before in a few words. And four through six says, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. And starting with verse 7, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of grace of God unto me by the effectual working of his power unto me who am who am less than the least of saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent to them, to the intent that now the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church, the manifold wisdom of God. And verse 11, according to the eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So that's a great place to pick up. So let's start there in verse 11, and it's good to have the context. It describes there an eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. As we've studied in the past, we know that the revelation of the mystery was given to Paul. And before it was given to Paul, it was completely unknown in time past, meaning if you go from Adam to Abraham to Moses to Isaiah to you know, all the way up to Peter, all the way up to Acts 8. No one has any understanding of the mystery because God kept it hidden. 
what verse 11 tells you is God didn't make it up in, you know, in Acts, in the middle of the book of Acts, because he saw things weren't going according to his plan. And he said, well, I got to switch things up. So I'm going to try something new. That was not it at all. He always purposed to do the mystery. It was always part of his plan. It says there, it was his eternal purpose. So he always intended to do this, but he waited to reveal it until a certain moment. So now let's look at verse 12. In whom we have, who we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. So verse 12 starts off with in whom. And that's a reference to the fact that in Christ, we have these blessings. What happens at salvation when you believe the gospel is you are spiritually placed into Christ. An example of this truth, if you recall back when we were studying in Ephesians 1, Ephesians 1 verse 5 says, accepted in the beloved. So that's a really important verse because what it's saying there is our standing before God, the position that we have before him is in Christ. It's in the beloved. So let me give you an example. If God felt toward David Reed the way he felt because of David Reed's life, he would be very disappointed to say the least, right? Because he's fully aware of all my sins and wicked acts and limitations. And, you know, it just wouldn't be something he would be happy about. But what happens when you get saved is you are spiritually placed into Christ. So you are accepted in the beloved. When he looks at the saved person, he doesn't see their wickedness. He doesn't see their unrighteousness. He sees the righteousness of his son. And so understanding the positional truth that you are in Christ. So for example, you are accepted in the beloved, Ephesians 1.5. You are Colossians 2.10, complete in him. And right now we're looking at Ephesians 3.12, in whom we have boldness. Now the word boldness means courage. Well, how can we have courage? We can have courage before him because we are in Christ and God has nothing but love and acceptance toward his son, Jesus Christ. And we are now in Christ by faith. When it says in whom we have boldness, that is a contrast with fear. So the word boldness, you already know this, it means courage, bravery, fearlessness. Well, why do we have that? Look with me at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. We don't have, a, have to have a spirit of fear. What happens if the world wants to persecute us? What happens if the world wants to do us harm or, or, or wants to prevent us from teaching? Well, we don't have to have fear about it. We can have boldness because of who we are in Christ. To give you a simple example, what are they going to do? Kill you? If they kill you, you go to heaven early. Mm-hmm. So I really wouldn't worry about death. I mean, here's what happens. If, if they kill you, you go to heaven. If they don't kill you, you stay. And the longer you live on the earth, the more aches and pains you have. Isn't yeah, that true? For sure. I mean, that's the way it works. So killing someone is really not a problem for the believer. So there's really no reason to fear death. And there's no reason to fear the enemies of the gospel. The worst they can do is kill you or, or imprison you. And Paul spent plenty of time in prison and it, it you know, 
he's still in heaven and happy about it. So wouldn't worry about that. Now, the verse then says, and access with confidence. Let's, t- let's talk about access just for a minute. So we were in Ephesians 2 a couple weeks ago. Let's look at verses 17 and 18. Ephesians 2, 17. And came and preached peace to you, which were afar off. In time past, Gentiles were afar off. They didn't have direct access to God. They were distant. And to them that were nigh. Verse 18. For through him, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. During the dispensation of grace, Gentiles who in time past were without hope are given direct access to God by Jesus Christ. That's outstanding. Mm -hmm. So today we have what Ephesians 3.12 calls it access with confidence. So not only do we have access, we know we have access. We're assured of that access because that access is based upon the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So we don't have to worry about it taking, being taken away or losing it or anything like that. We can have boldness and confidence about the access that we have. Now, let me show you a little bit of a contrast if I could. Proverbs 15, verse 29. Proverbs 15, 29. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he heareth the prayer of the righteous. Mm -hmm. One of the things that's a scriptural truth is God does not hear the prayers of the wicked. In other words, the unrighteous, the lost, he doesn't hear their prayers. Now, I I, want to clarify one thing there. What God desires from them is he desires faith in the gospel. The moment they have faith in the gospel, God places them into Christ spiritually And at that point, he hears their prayers. But until they're in Christ, until they're saved, the prayers don't do anything. He doesn't hear them. Let me give you some further proof of that. Psalm 34, verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. So whose cries does the Lord hear? The righteous, according to that verse. (laughs) Verse 16. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. In other words, he, he treats the righteous and the wicked very differently. Mm-hmm. Psalm 66, verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. That's how it worked under, under time past. First Peter 3, verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. Now listen to this. And his ears are open unto their prayers. It's only the righteous's prayers. Mm-hmm. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Now, many of you are familiar with this, this verse, but Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. Right. You know what people do all the time? They think, I can be right with God if I quit smoking. Mm-hmm. I can be right with God if I give to the poor. I can be right with God if I quit this bad habit or start this new thing. None of that will please God. The only thing that will please God is when you believe the gospel, that Christ died for your sins, was buried, and rose again the third day. Because when you believe the gospel, you're placed in Christ, and God is fully pleased with Christ. But he's not Mm -hmm. fully pleased with you or me or our past lives of our works, because Our righteousness, according to the scriptures, is as filthy rags. Mm -hmm. Get with me Matthew 6, verse 7. 
Oh, I want to show you something else here. Okay. Matthew chapter six, verse seven. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. Now, you know what that verse tells you? The heathen pray. Mm-hmm. People sometimes think, well, prayer, that's, that's, God hears all prayers, right? People that pray, God hears them. No, he, not necessarily. He hears the prayers of the righteous. He hears the prayers of his people. But when heathen pray, God doesn't hear their prayers. Those multiple verses just told us that. And so we'll get ready here for verse 13. But the point I just want to make to everyone is when Ephesians 3.12 talks about we have boldness and access with confidence, that's really a blessed thing because the lost man does not have access to God except by believing the gospel. And once you believe the gospel, you're in Christ and you, uh, you can have boldness and that access to the Father with confidence. Very good. Let's look at verse 13. All right. Wherefore, I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations. Um, I'll re-say that. That ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Thank you. Look with me at 2 Corinthians 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. So in in Ephesians 3.13, Paul mentioned his tribulations. And I want to give you just a sense of, of Paul's tribulation. So 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure. Stripes, he's talking about their being whipped and that he received so many that he lost count, which is, you know, staggering. In prisons more frequent, in deaths oft, Of the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. In weariness and painfulness, in washings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Now, just pause here for a minute. 2 Corinthians is written in Acts chapter 20. Paul was saved in Acts chapter 9. So in just 11 chapters in Acts, everything you read there happened. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Five times he was whipped, three times beaten with rods, he was stoned, he was sh- all of that. And there was more that happened after that. That's just a, that's that's an incredible amount of suffering, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's quite something. Yeah. So, so get Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. Notice what Paul says in the very same book. For our light affliction... Everything that happened in Second Corinthians 11, Paul referred to as light affliction, which is but for a moment, and that's how he thought about it. So you can whip me, you can stone me, you can do all these things, but honestly, in light of eternity, it's just like that, right? It's mm-hmm. just not worth, to, it's, not, it's not long enough to be worried about. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. 
clearly what's going on there is all the stuff you can see you shouldn't be concerned about because it's going to pass away. So let's think back to Ephesians 3.13. Wherefore, I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you. Well, Paul just mentions the tribulations briefly, but you understand Paul's tribulations were rather significant, Mm -hmm. right? But he says they're light affliction. Now, in the context of Ephesians, this is my personal opinion, I think that Paul was very, he was just about to die. And let me show you why I think that. Get with me 2 Timothy 4, verse 12. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. And Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus. So 2 Timothy, everyone acknowledges, is Paul's last letter. Uh, Look with me at... um, before we get that, get Ephesians 6, verse 21. Get Ephesians 6, 21. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 21. But that ye also may know my affairs and how I do. Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things. In other words, what Paul's saying in Ephesians 6 is the person who was the courier who delivered Ephesians mm-hmm. was Tychicus. He specifically says, Tychicus will make known to you all things. In other words, he was obviously the person that was delivering Ephesians. Well, in 2 Timothy 4, he talks about Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus. So obviously, Ephesians and 2 Timothy are written real close mm-hmm. together. I think Tychicus was the courier of both, my personal opinion. So now look at me at 2 Timothy 4, verse 6. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. So 2 Timothy 4, verse 6, when you read 2 Timothy 4, it's obvious Paul's about to be killed by Rome. That's what's going to happen. And it's also obvious from what we just looked at that Ephesians was written either immediately before or shortly before 2 Timothy. So when Paul says in Ephesians 3.13, wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, He's talking about the suffering he's going through right before he's, he's going to die. That's what he's, what he's talking about and the fact that he's going to be martyred. Now, what does the word faint mean? When Paul says, wherefore, I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations, to faint is to lose strength. It's to become feeble. What he was saying there to the Ephesian saints is, don't be troubled, don't be discouraged, don't become weakened by my tribulations. And I'll give you, you know, I'll give you what I think is going on here. What Satan, what the adversary would like to happen is that when church leaders are persecuted or killed, he would like for the body of Christ to be discouraged. In other words, Mm -hmm. look what I just did to your leader. You better knock it off with this gospel preaching because I can do the same to you. And he wants people to be fearful, and he wants them to close their mouths, and he wants them to be discouraged. Well, what Paul's specifically saying in Ephesians 3.13 is don't faint at my tribulations for you. Don't, don't, don't sweat it. Don't be discouraged by it. He doesn't want them to be intimidated, and that's why he talks about boldness. That's why he talks about not having a spirit of fear. Get with me 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. 2 Corinthians 4, 16, for which cause we faint not, uses the word faint again, doesn't he? But though mm-hmm. our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. 
So you know what's happening to our outward man? Well, our outward man is perishing because what happens is every additional day you live, basically your, your, your body decays, right? Mm-hmm. And as you live on the earth, you're subject to additional opposition, if you will, of Satan. So your outward man is going to weaken. That, that's what's going to happen to the outward man. But what happens to the inward man? Well, the inward man is renewed day by day. So we're going to face external challenges. That will be life on earth. But inwardly, we can be renewed day by day based upon God's word. We can be strengthened to face all of the challenges that we have. So let's go to verse 14 then. Okay. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What I think is particularly helpful about this verse is it tells you what I believe is the the primary position of prayer. In in other words, you can pray in any position because prayer is talking with God, but the the natural position of prayer is kneeling. Uh, With most things, like if you think of almost anything you do, don't you put yourself in the right position to do it? Like, for example, if you're mm-hmm. getting ready to hit a baseball, don't you sort of get the proper stance where your your feet are exactly where you want them to be, your arms are where you want them to be, so that you can then hit the baseball? If you're getting ready to dig a hole, don't you sort of position yourself so you have the right amount of leverage so that so everything in life you know is about your feet and posture. You position yourself for the activity that you're about to do, right? Well, the same thing is true, I would suggest, with prayer. You can pray anywhere about anything, uh, but the, the natural, the primary position of prayer is kneeling, which is what Ephesians 3.14 tells you. Look at ver- Let's go to verse 15. Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Look with me at Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45 So it talks about the father of our Lord Jesus Christ in verse 14. And then in verse 15, it says the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Look with me at Isaiah 45, verse 14. For Jacob, my servant's sake, and Israel, mine elect, I have even called thee by thy name. I have surnamed thee, though thou hast not known me. What's going on there is God has given to Israel, a name. And, and what's being described in Ephesians 3.15, the whole family in heaven and earth is named on the basis of the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The way I would simply put it is this. There, there's not much better proof someone can give you that they have accepted you into their family than for them to call you by their name, right? I mean, they're saying mm-hmm. you're, you're one of us now, right? Because I'm calling you by our family name. And what Ephesians 3, 14 and 15 say about the body of Christ is we are now named by the Father according to his name. That's 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 encouraging, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. sort of mm-hmm. inspiring about our position in his family. Mm-hmm. Let's look at verse 16. Okay. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. So what Paul prays in that verse is that the Ephesians would be strengthened in the inner man. Here's the sort of key thing that that we all need. 
we need to be strengthened in the inner man. Sometimes our circumstances that are problematic will be resolved in a way that we like, but not always. So what happens if you're in a difficult situation or you're facing a problem? You can pray about it and you can pray about the circumstances. And sometimes the circumstances will get better. But if we're just being honest, there are times where the circumstances don't get better. So what happens then? Did God not hear our prayers? Does he not care? Well, sometimes what happens is God's plan is to strengthen us in the inner man. So probably the greatest example, which we're all familiar with, is Paul's thorn in the flesh. Paul had a thorn in the flesh, and what did he do? He besought the Lord thrice, three times. He said, Lord, take away this thorn in the flesh. It's called the messenger of Satan, so it wasn't a good thing. Lord, take away the messenger of Satan. And what did God say? My grace is sufficient for thee. In other words, I'm not taking it away. Uh, It's going to continue to exist. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you enough grace to endure it. See, here's what we normally would prefer, and I'll just, I would prefer this, being honest. I would prefer, Lord, get rid of this difficult circumstance. Make it go away. I'm, I'm tired, and I don't enjoy this difficult circumstance. Sometimes that may happen, but other times it won't go away. But what God will do is he will give us sufficient grace to endure it. What God is mm-hmm. doing in our lives Our ultimate destiny is heaven. God's design is not to make this earth perfect for us. That's not what he's going to do. His design is to form his son in us. And that may mean that we go through some trials. We may go through some difficulties where the situation doesn't get better, but we're strengthened, as the verse says, with might by his spirit in the inner man. We end up stronger as a result of it because the power of Christ rests upon us. That's a glorious thing where you can be strong in the midst of difficult circumstances. Get with me Philippians chapter 4. Now, we talked earlier about how Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians are similar books. And we're going to see something in Philippians chapter 4 that I think helps us understand what Ephesians is talking about. And in Philippians 4 my personal opinion is probably it's one of the most helpful, if not the most Mm -hmm. helpful passages on how to pray. So verse six, be careful, be, be full of care and be careful for nothing. In other words, don't be overwhelmed. Don't be burdened. Don't be overcome. Be careful for nothing, but in everything. In other words, in every circumstance, in every situation, By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So what is that verse saying? The first thing it says is don't worry about it. In other words, we all face situations and circumstances in life sometimes that are overwhelming, right? They're just, they're too big for us. They're too hard. They're too complicated. What do you do? Well, the first thing is don't be overwhelmed by it. How do you cope with it? Here's how you cope with it. In everything, in every situation, in every circumstance, in every trial, in every difficulty, by prayer, pray about it. With thanksgiving, now this is a key part, in our lives, we should be thankful people. A lot of times what happens is this, something goes wrong and we get grumpy about it 
we're defensive, we're disappointed. God, why are you letting this happen to me? Well, let's step back for a minute. Think of whatever it is, the worst thing that ever happened to you. And there are bad things that happen on this earth. I'm not saying there aren't. But you realize whatever bad thing it was, you have eternal life in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. You're accepted in the beloved. You're complete in him. I could go on and on. But the point is, whatever bad thing happens to you on this earth lasts for a very short time. And it's not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. That's Romans 8.18. For I reckon the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. In other words, there's nothing on earth that is worthy of comparing with the glory that awaits. What that means then is instead of saying to God, God, how could you let me get this flat tire? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is terrible. How, how could you let this happen to me? It's so trivial in light of what he's given us that we need to have an attitude of thankfulness. And then what the verse says is, let your requests be made known unto God. Now, you see some people on TV where they boss God around, and they tell God what he's supposed to do, and you have to do this, God, and I command you to do this, that, and the other. That's just ridiculous. I mean, God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ created the universe. God the Father is is Lord over everything. And, and, And the notion that we should be bossing God around and telling him what to do is, is you know, just really ridiculous. So look with me at verse seven then, Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So I want to put these two verses together. So what verse six says is be careful for nothing. Don't be troubled, but in everything, in every situation, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. In other words, I'm in this situation that's too big for me. I pray about it. I let my request be made known. And what happens as a result of that is the peace of God that passeth understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Essentially, what I'm doing is this. God, here's my problem. It is too big for me. I don't know what to do with it. I don't know what the answer is. I'm, I'm really troubled by it. So here's my request. I request that you do this or that. You know, Help me with this problem. And what I've done is I've taken and I put the problem in his hands. Mm -hmm. Too big for me, so I'm giving it to you. And whatever you do, it'll be okay. Because if you make the problem go away, hey, that's great. If you don't make the problem go away, but you give me the power of Christ to deal with it, Mm -hmm. that's okay too. Because your grace is sufficient. And so I personally think prayer is the pressure release valve of life. Mm -hmm. There's too much pressure. I'm overwhelmed by all of this. What do I do? God, the father, I'm going to give this problem to you. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to let my request be made known. And I'm going to keep praying about it until I get peace because I've given it unto you and whatever you do, because you're loving and you're gracious, I'm okay with. And that's just a wonderful, you know, a wonderful way to deal with the trials of life. Yeah, that's right. They could overwhelm us, but they're not too big for God. All right. So let me say one more thing before we go to the next verse in Ephesians. So it's okay for us to pray about circumstances. It's okay for us to pray about the details of life. We can let our requests be made known. Sometimes we're not going to get what we want, but it's okay. Now, mm-hmm. the other thing that will happen is, you know what happens with the, the situation right now that's huge and enormous? Mm-hmm. It'll go away in one way or another, 
won't it? Mm-hmm. Somehow it'll resolve or, or maybe you die and it resolves then anyway, right? <laughs> and then what'll happen is there'll be a new one. So life on this earth is going to be a series of problems for the basic reason that you have a sin nature. I have a sin nature. Everyone else on earth has a sin nature. And Satan is the God that this world worships. So if we're being mm-hmm. realistic, do you think that life is going to go smoothly? No. It's just not. <laughs> There's going to be problem after problem, but, but we have the power of Christ to help us through it. And that's what we need to focus on. So with that, let's, um, let's go to verse 17. Okay. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. So we're getting close to the end, so I'm going to hurry with this one, okay? So verse 17 says, rooted and grounded in love. Colossians 2, 7 says, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. Colossians 1, 21. And you that were sometime alienated enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. Verse 23. If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled. So Mm -hmm. Ephesians 3 said, rooted and grounded. Colossians 2 said, rooted and built up in him. Colossians 1 says, grounded and settled. You're seeing a theme there. What what, Mm -hmm. what does a believer need to be? We need to be rooted, grounded, settled. Now I'm going to give you a contrast. 1 Corinthians 9, 27. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. 1 Timothy 1.19, holding faith in a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. Ephesians 4.14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro Mm -hmm. as on the sea and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. Ephesians 2.2. When in time past, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. What does that all mean? God wants us to be rooted, grounded, settled like a tree. How does a a tree grow so tall and not move? Because Mm -hmm. it's rooted. It has deep roots in the earth. And Paul contrasts that with being shipwrecked, a castaway, tossed to and fro, blown about by every wind of doctrine according to the course of this world. Here's what it's saying. The natural state of people on earth is they're like a ship at sea. They're in peril because the prince of the power of the air, he can blow that ship wherever he wants. What we need to be is rooted and grounded in God's word. Mm -hmm. That is the source of stability in life. So I'm going to pause there and we'll pick up next time. But anyone want to chime in? Yeah, if you plan a make a uh, plant a vegetable or whatever, it's got to be deep and rooted, and then it produces good fruit. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when you're um, uprooting trees and uh, transplanting them somewhere else, you have to make sure that you got those roots to go with it, so that it's alive when it gets to its next destination. That's right. Yeah. So that's where we're going to pick up next time. Mm-hmm. Okay. In All the- right. Yeah, we'll pick up with Ephesians, and it looks like we'll be back uh, with 318 and also with uh, any questions that anyone posts. And we do see that uh, we had some more join us, Paul Nichols, uh, Gay Lisa Carr. So we say hi to you. Hello, Gay Lisa. And hope to see everyone back next week. And thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye.
You have been listening to Why Paul? Visit us on the web at 14thStreetMinistries.com. And please join Michael R. Mix, Michelle Mix, David Reed, and Pamela Lampton again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for more thoughts and wisdom. Also, be sure to tell everyone about our program. 